0: As I said, we're continuing our Re-Commissioned um, series this morning. We've got two passages this morning, one at the start and the end of our Bible. So the first is in Genesis chapter 12, and it's on page 13. When you've got to that, you probably want to turn to our second reading and have it your finger in there for, for later. It's Galatians 3 and the first nine verses of Galatians 3, and that's on page 1169. So Genesis 12, we're just reading the first three verses of it, and then we'll move on to the Galatians passage. The Lord has said to Abram, Leave your country, your people, and your father's household, and go to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse. And all the peoples on the earth will be blessed through you. And if we go to Galatians 3. You foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? Before your very eyes, Jesus Christ was clearly portrayed as crucified. I would like to learn just one thing from you. Did you receive the Spirit by observing the law or by believing what you heard? Are you so foolish? After beginning with the Spirit, Are you now trying to attain your goal by human effort? Have you suffered so much for nothing? If it really was for nothing, does God give you his spirit and work miracles among you because you observe the law or because you believed what you heard? Consider Abraham. He believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness. Understand then that those who believe are children of Abraham. Abraham. The scriptures foresaw that God would justify the Gentiles by faith and announced the gospel in advance to Abraham. All the nations will be blessed through you. So those who have faith are blessed along with Abraham, the man of faith. Amen.
1: Folks, if you keep the... Genesis passage open before you. Genesis 12 that that's where most of our focus uh, will fall this morning. Let me pray. Father God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts be acceptable in your sight. Our rock and our Redeemer. Amen. So I told you a couple of years ago, I think, uh, that I was a Jürgen Klopp fan. So this morning I want to begin by sharing with you or reminding you of a Kloppism that I have used here before. 2013, before the Champions League final, leads his Dortmund team into the biggest game of his life so far, And he says before a global audience, when I walk in the room, I want it to be a better place. It's normal. I'm a Christian. I love that. Um, Just find it incredibly inspiring. Problem with inspirational quotes is sometimes we don't examine them much. If they're inspiring, we just take them and run with them. So we need to examine this. Does this have any substance? Is it just motivational mumbo-jumbo? Or is Klopp right? Is the room supposed to be a better place when Christians walk into it? By the time we finish in God's word this morning, I hope we'll have an answer one way or another to that question. Let's quickly get back into the flow of our series. Um, we took a week off last week. We're calling our series Recommissioned, Becoming the People That God Made Us To Be. And we started uh, with a question, the, the question we said that was keeping the world's greatest minds, greatest thinkers awake at night, the question, who are we? What is our human identity? And then we said in a second address that we, that we wanted God to be leading us in answering that question. We wanted to look to God's word. So the first thing that we said in answer to the question was this, we're a people who know the story that we're a part of. We want to commit ourselves to the story. And we talked that day, if you remember, about the the story of the Bible, uh, a play in four acts, uh, creation, redemption, creation, fall, redemption, and new creation. A couple of weeks ago, Monty helped us with a third address in this series. He he really got us into the story uh, for the first time. The, The first couple of sermons were a little bit introductory. And one of the first aspects of our human identity that we discover reading through the Bible is that we're people who care for creation. God's created a beautiful world. It's very good. And he then hands it to us and he says, right, over to you. I want you to look after it and care for it for me. So we might say that Monty's first sermon in in getting us properly into the biblical text dealt with the first act in the the drama of uh, the Bible. This morning, we, we need to move through the second act and out the other side. So God created a perfect world, and if you remember, it was a world of harmony at every level so harmony between God and human beings harmony between one human being and the next each human at harmony with themselves and all of us together in harmony with the whole created order a state of complete harmony tell me did it last is that where we are I don't get that, listening to the news, observing my own experiences and feelings. So we said no. The, the Bible tells us a story that, that started with this beauty and with this harmony, but that, that didn't stay there. The next act in our, in our great story in the Bible is, is a story of the loss of that harmony. It's a, a story that we, it's a part of the story that we sometimes refer to as the fall. We're not going to spend a whole lot of time on that this morning, not because I'm afraid of it. Um, we did deal with it uh, at more length a few years ago when we did a series in the early chapters of Genesis. But I do want you to notice some stuff in Genesis 3, so if you don't mind flicking from 12 back to 3 for a moment, Genesis chapter three tells the story of the fall and it tells us a little bit of the implications or the outcomes. So if you look there at verse 17, God speaks to the serpent who attempted first Eve and through her Adam. And God says, cursed are you above all livestock. So God's speaking in a perfect world and he's starting to use a different language. He's starting to talk about curse. Verse 17, God says to Adam, Cursed is the ground because of you. Folks, this is the outcome of our rebellion against God. A world that's that's beautiful, a place of harmony becomes a place where there's curse. And if you look at the early chapters, if you read on from chapter through through verses or chapters four to eleven, you'd see that this great creation project. It does continue to move forward, but it it sort of limps along under the weight of our human sin. And it's a part of the story that culminates in chapter 11, if if you know this part of the Bible. It's the story of the Tower of Babel. Uh, Again, we looked at it a couple of years ago, but Babel, I think, is a story of two things. It's a story of human arrogance. Uh, They want to build a tower to make a name for themselves, make themselves great, It's a story of human insecurity. They want to stay together in a part of the world whenever God's actually wanted them to to spread and to inhabit the whole of his created world. Chris Wright says this. He says that the Babel story presents us with people who seem intent on invading the heavens, so they want to build a tower to the heavens, even while resisting God's will for them on earth. So imagine you didn't know the story of the Bible at all, and you're, you'd lifted it, you'd started reading it, you'd got to the end of chapter 11, and you would thought, time for a cup of tea. So you've gone, you've flicked the kettle on, and those two or three minutes while the kettle's boiling, you're wondering, where is this story going? God creates this perfect world Human beings destroy it, and then they get into this cycle of greater and greater pride, folly, and sin. Where's this story going? What can God do next? Whatever he comes up with, if, if you pardon that expression, it better be good. This is a problem of, of cosmic proportions. It's going to need a, an answer of cosmic proportions. So what's what's God's solution? Well, it's something that only God could have thought of. I wouldn't have thought of it, and I don't think you would have either. God says, um, here's what I'll do. There's an elderly, childless couple in Babel, the same part of the world that this tower building's gone on. I'm going to choose them, and I'm going to make them a launch pad of my redemptive work in the world. I don't know if they do such things in heaven, whether there's a boardroom with a whiteboard at the end where they put up, you know, here's our, our plan. Here's where we're going. If there is, I don't know what the response was from the people in the room when the Lord said, this is what I'm going to do. Really? Really? God calls Abram, we've read about it there, Genesis 12. And this is the beginning to God's uh, answer to the problem of the human heart, of the strife that there is between nations, of the disintegration of the whole created universe. This is how God's gonna reverse the curse. And it's a part of our story and it tells us a great deal about who we are. So let's, let's jump in here this morning. It's not hard. If I ask you those three verses, Genesis 12, one to three, what are they about? You're going to say, Was somebody going to say? What, what are those verses about? What's the biggest idea in there? Is it blessing? Five times over in three verses? I'm going to bless you. You're going to bless the world. Remember where we are. We're, we're, in, we're under the curse here. We've just had Babel. This is a beautiful interruption to a depressing story. It's such brilliant news in the context. I wanted to show you this, in, that whenever Paul talks about it millennia later, he, and we read it a moment ago, he says that God announced the gospel to Abraham in advance. This is the gospel. This is the good news, that the world that's under curse is gonna be blessed. Yes, Yeah, you're you're thinking, well, it doesn't sound like the gospel I grew up with or the gospel that I know. It's a long way until we meet Jesus. It's a long way until we hear that he's died for our sins, that he's risen to launch us into an entirely new way of life. But the gospel's here. Genesis chapter 12. Wow. Okay, so we're getting this sense that something big's going on here, but what is it? What what does blessing mean? What does God have in mind when he says, I'm gonna bless you and I'm gonna bless the world? Probably the safest thing to do is let God define his own terms. God's already talked about blessing in Genesis. So why don't we notice what he meant back then and see what he might mean here. Flick back with me to Genesis chapter one. We're gonna see God talking about blessing three times there. So in the seven days of creation on day five, verse 22, God blesses the fish and the birds and he says, be fruitful and increase. Day six, verse 28, he's made human beings, blesses them and says, be fruitful and increase in number. Finally, day seven, chapter two, verse three, God blessed the seventh day and made it holy. So God's story starts with him speaking blessing, And when we look at those and pay attention to them, we get some sense that His blessing is something about, about fullness and abundance. His blessings about enjoying a rest in a good relationship with our Creator God and with the world He's created. So whenever we get to Genesis 12 and God starts talking again about blessing, we should assume that those ideas aren't far from God's heart. He wants to bless Abram with fullness and abundance and rest and he wants Abram to to lead the world into that blessing too. So who are we? We are people who bless the nations. Jurgen Klopp, might be right after all. We're people who bring God's blessing into the, the rooms we go into, into the buildings and the streets and the cities and the, the nations, wherever he puts us. We're like Mike in the story we read earlier, the one about number 10. Folks, I wonder, is that why we find it so exciting whenever we see the, the church doing this. Whenever we see it being put into practice, doing other people good in Jesus' name. I'm thinking of Globe Cafe, for example. We tend to think of Globe Cafe, we we think of it from our end. I want you to turn it around and think of it from the other end. So you are far from home. You've moved to a different city to study or to work. You don't know a soul. Uh, Your knowledge of the local language maybe isn't brilliant. Somehow by word of mouth or social media, you learn of a a gathering where any person from any nation is welcome. You you go along to try it out, and you discover that there are local people there who are giving their, their time, their energy, their money, so that this gathering can happen so that you can feel at home in their city. Wouldn't that just be the most beautiful thing? Wouldn't you feel blessed, even if you didn't use those kinds of words? When I think about blessing, people making the room a better place, I have in mind places like Bloomfield's nursing home down there in the North Road. And the guys from Kirkpatrick who go down there once a month and have been doing that faithfully for years to connect with the residents there. Bloomfields specializes in dementia nursing care and cognitive impairment. That means that the residents there are among some of the most vulnerable in our society and in our parish. It means that they aren't always aware of what they're experiencing in any given moment and certainly aren't always able to respond in ways that we might deem appropriate. But the team visit them. They visit them there anyway. Imagine for a moment that you're one of the residents there, and in a lucid moment, something of this clicks with you. There are people coming here to spend time with me. There are people I don't know who are getting themselves along here to befriend me. Imagine what that might look like to that person in that moment. Imagine what it might look like to the, the, the staff there, to the, the, the relatives and friends to, to sit, to, to see people there and to say, they're coming here to visit my dad or my mum or my grandmother. Wouldn't that be a blessing? It would. There's so many other parts of our church life that I could point to and so many acts of kindness and of blessing that our members are getting up to me. I just want to point out one more. As, as many of you will have gathered by now, um, we're a church that's trying to learn to support uh, fostering and adoption. Not, not support fostering adoption so much as to support vulnerable children through fostering and adoption. So there are people and families in this church who are learning about equipping themselves for and applying to be carers for vulnerable children. Can you imagine what that's like? for that kid to be welcomed in. We've just recently started a new venture. Uh, I was looking for the flyer there as I was talking. It's called Friday Connect. It's for uh, foster carers, kinship carers, adoptive parents in East Belfast. And the event's been hosted here by the members of our Home for Good group. Put yourself for a moment in the shoes of a local person who's taken on the challenge of fostering and adoption. Can you imagine that ever becoming challenging? Of course we can. That's why we're not doing it. Because we'd be terrified. But there are people who are doing it. And there are moments along the way where that becomes extraordinarily challenging. So what do you think it might mean to them to, to have a group where you can get together, share stories, be understood, and encourage each other. By the way, while I'm talking about this, we have a few flyers. If, if you know anybody who's a carer, you wanna take one of these away with you, put it into the hand of a friend. I, I met a woman just yesterday who learned that our church was doing this and, and asked me a little bit more about it. Um, please grab one of those. It's called Friday Connect. Folks, this is what God calls us to be. This is what it means to be his people, to be a blessing wherever we go. I'm going to pause there for a second. Maybe this is making you a little bit nervous. You say to yourself, Christoph, it's all very good talking about doing all this good stuff for people, but surely what people need most of all is, is the gospel. They need to hear about Jesus. They need to hear that they're sinners under God's judgment. They need to hear the beautiful message of Jesus, the one who came to rescue them from their sins, the only one who can reverse the curse. Folks, if you're thinking that, maybe you're dividing two things that were always intended to be together. It's simply not the case that these blessings that I've been talking about today are in any way different than the blessing that God wants people to have in his salvation. In his book, Bible and Mission, Christian Mission in the Postmodern World, Richard Bockham says this, Salvation too is God's blessing. Since salvation is the fulfillment of God's good purposes for creation, Salvation is the fulfillment of God's purposes in spite of the damage evil does to God's creation. He goes on to say, the gospel is that when in Christ Jesus, who became a curse for us, the curse has been set aside and God's creative purpose for the blessing of his creation is established beyond any possibility of reversal. Folks, you need to hear this. Blessing people and telling them about Jesus are not two different things. The greatest blessing we can ever do anybody is to tell them about Jesus. But it doesn't rule out a whole lot of other blessings along the way. Folks, we've talked about the curse. We've talked about the blessing very quickly, the nation's God wants this blessing to stay not not on me, not in this room, but to go to the, the nations, to the world. Let me flash a few verses uh, across your eyes. Psalm 47, verse 9. The nobles of the nations assemble as the people of the God of Abraham, for the kings of the earth belong to God. He is greatly exalted. E- everyone under God. Matthew 28, very famous verse. Go and make disciples of where? Ballyhackamore, Belfast, Ireland, all nations, all peoples. uh, Next slide, Revelation chapter 7, verse 9, a picture of of the, the gathering that's ahead. After this I looked, and there before me was a great multitude that no one could count from every nation, tribe, people, and language, standing before the throne and the Lamb. They were wearing white robes, they were holding palm branches in their hands, and they cried out in a loud voice, salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. This is for all nations. Let me show you one last passage, a current favorite of mine. I want you to look this one up. Uh, Isaiah 19, on page 703. Page 703, Isaiah 19. I came across this as I was studying for our evening series of of teaching in, in Isaiah. What Isaiah says in this passage is mad. It's outrageous. But it's right on the money with God's promise to Abraham. Look at verse 19 is a prophet. He's talking to God's people in very hard times. They're actually under God's judgment. They're knowing his punishment. But he's looking to the future, and he says, verse 19, in that day there'll be an altar to the Lord in the heart of Egypt and a monument to the Lord at its border. That's just crazy, because if you know anything about Egypt, Egypt is the big enemy, Egypt are the people who kept the people of God under subjection, slavery. That's the place from which God's people escaped. Moses, if you remember, was trying to lead the people out of Egypt into the desert to worship God. And now, what are we told? No, the worship's going to happen in Egypt. It's incredible. Did you know that Christianity is the second biggest religion in Egypt today? Between 10 and 15 percent of the population, at least possibly up to 25 percent of Egyptians are Christians, followers of Jesus Christ. It's amazing. God's blessing is reaching the nations. Look down at uh, verse 23. This, this is this is crazy for today. Isaiah's looking again into the future. He says, in that day, there'll be a highway from Egypt to Assyria. Assyria, by the way, is old money for Syria. In that day, there'll be a highway from Egypt to Assyria, Egypt to the south, the old enemy of God's people, Assyria to the north, the the." enemy of God's people in Isaiah's day. Look, look at these maps, and I'll show you quickly. Yeah, so Assyria is up there to the north. Modern-day Syria is roughly where it says Aram there. So there's going to be a highway. The, the next map shows this better. If you... Oh, it doesn't show it much better, does it? Um, is, is that all we've got, Mark? Yeah, okay. Okay. <laughs> We know where Egypt is, don't we? Yeah, we can picture Egypt, top right-hand corner of Africa. So Egypt is to the south of the area occupied by God's people. Assyria is to the north. And look at what Isaiah says. Verse 23, in that day, there'll be a highway from Egypt to Assyria. Egypt to the south, Syria to the north. The map's up now. Brilliant. Jeff, you're very good at you're You're the, always the first to give us a helpful shout-out. Thank you for that. So Egypt's down there, bottom left. Syria in the middle. If you know your holy land at all, that highway's going to run right through where God's people are. And what is it it says about that highway? The Assyrians will go to Egypt, the Egyptians to Assyria, The Egyptians and the Assyrians will worship together. Wow. It's like all the least likely people in the world who you'd never ever think are going to worship the living God. And here they are. They're on this highway of worship. And that highway, by the way, you won't be able to see it on the map, but above Israel is the little country of Lebanon. The highway runs through Lebanon. A couple of members of our congregational congregation were recently on this highway a couple of weeks ago. This highway between Assyria and Egypt, Dan Hayes and Jenny Crawford, on an open doors team working with Syrian refugees in Lebanon. And they got to meet the most incredible Christian church. They witnessed Lebanese Christians Christians who'd suffered terribly in the previous generation at the hands of Syrian oppressors doing what? Looking after Syrian refugees. Sharing the love of Jesus and the gospel of Jesus with them. It's happening. What Isaiah told us about is coming true God's promise to Abraham is being fulfilled. Folks, if these things are happening, the honest truth is nobody is safe from the grace of God. There's no nation in the world that's beyond his blessing. Folks, we are people who are to be a blessing to the nations. Let's become what we were always intended to be. Let's pray.